You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider. On the Maury Povich show, they they did their uh, famous paternity tests today. All of the guests tested positive for their uh, for for being a uh, a father. Brandon Jaggers. Those Jeff. guys would be good archers. I mean, they've got tremendous aim, it appears, right? And me, CC brought us. And I thought it was a great idea that me and a couple of my roommates go to Golden Corral. I've never been there in my entire life. I've never been to a buffet. Well, I like Sizzler back when I was growing up. I thought it was a great thing. <laughs> Welcome to episode number 98 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm CC Broadus, and we're going to cut the chit-chat. We're going to introduce huh. our crew right off the bat. It's Alan Schneider. Alan, how are you doing? Hey, man. Springtime. I'm doing great. I am doing fantastic. Uh, in the Bluegrass State, it got up to 80 degrees today. It was about, what, 50 yesterday? Oh, it was no. It was it was like 30 yesterday. Yeah, I yeah, 40, 42. God, I yeah, hate cold like weather. That. Uh, but today it's 80 degrees and the wind's blowing about 40 to 50 miles an hour. And then tomorrow it's going to return to cold temperatures for about three or four days. But spring is right around the corner, they tell me. That's what I hear. You can tell because the, the racing's starting to heat up. Everything's starting to heat up. It's a great time of year around here. And speaking of heating up, <laughs> I can only be referring to the one and only Brandon Jaggers, who has decided tonight he would make his return to the airwaves. Wow. Well, I mean, I know it, and I hate that I've left you guys in the cold many nights. But? But I've got two big things. Right. Let's hear it. Two big things. The first one, my wife is running for circuit court judge of Jefferson County. I need everybody that's a registered voter in Jefferson County to go out and vote this year at the primary, May 17th. you got to flip the ballot over. You'll see Sarah Clay, not Jaggers. She cannot be a Jaggers for judge. Division 9 Circuit Court. It's a big deal. I spend all my time and my money and my effort casing uh, fish fries, uh, JCPS, you know, meetings and everywhere I've been to get us some votes. So I'd appreciate it if everybody would go out and vote May 17th in Jefferson County if you're a registered voter. If you're not, please become a registered voter. The well, is there anything else? Is there anything else? Yes. I oh, you know my mayor. Her name is Sarah Clay. She is going to be dropping a little a little baby foal. Oh. Come, come September, it's, gonna, it's a filly. It's the filly. And the clay progeny will live on. She wow. The filly will probably be a clay. She'll never become a Jaggers, but that's okay. <laughs> or she's going to have a hyphenated name. <laughs> but I don't blame no. her. And Jaggers will live on as well. As a congratulations, my wife. congratulations, yeah. Brandon. This is a, your first, correct? Yes. Oh yes. boy, my very first at age of forty-three. So I'm an old. I thought I was a gelding, but you know, I'm, I'm back in action. So, so. You, how do you know? You already know it. It's a it's a Philly. Yeah, through uh, you know, through the, it's like the Doppler radar thing. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of things, yeah. So yeah. those are two of the reasons why I've not been on the pod. 
And I apologize to my podmasters, Alan and Don't you worry about it. <laughs> uh, you know, every night we have something to do with the, uh, you know, election as well as uh, this baby. So, well, again, congratulations, man. Uh, being a dad's awesome. And uh, you're going to you're going to love it. Uh, it may be a little busy for you. Some of that uh, that partying you do. Some of that uh, that world traveling you do might might take a little backseat, at least for a brief little while, but it's all worth it, brother. That's right. That's going to be over. I will no longer be able to go to the fairgrounds anytime I want. Maybe I can go to Turfway on a nice, may- cold, rainy night. That's about all I can do. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're happy for you. I'm sure everybody listens Thanks, happy guys. for you. Thank you. My man couldn't put the stem on the apple, though. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while. I haven't heard that in a while. Yeah. On that note, got a big day of racing coming up Saturday, April 2nd. It's the probably the biggest, uh, most important card thus far of 2022. we got uh, Big Tracks, Gulfstream, and Oakland, and, of course, Turfway running uh, their marquee races with the Florida Derby, the Arkansas Derby, and, of course, the Jeff Ruby Stakes. And uh, they are... Two of the three cards I've already drawn. Uh, we've got the Florida Derby drawn, but the, the undercard's not not yet ready. But Oakland is ready and uh, Turfway is ready, and they're challenging cards. I can assure you that. I've oh already, yeah. I've oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, we've tried to uh, to get some get some assistance with the uh, Turfway card, which is the one we're going to be primarily focused on. And uh, Alan will introduce our guest right now. Uh, yeah, thank you, CC. Uh, as you've mentioned, the Florida Derby and the Arkansas Derby are indeed both this weekend. And yeah, we're going to touch on them. But uh, as we all know, this is a Kentucky horse racing podcast. And our affinity for Turfway Park, my affinity for Turfway Park, has our focus primarily on the 100-point Kentucky Derby prep they have this weekend, the always awesomely named Jeff Ruby Stakes. Uh, and who better to discuss that card and more with than someone else we have an affinity for, our friend and self-proclaimed pedigree nerd, Caitlin Free. Caitlin, how are you doing today, buddy? I am good. I hope you guys are doing well. So good to be back on with you guys. I've been really looking forward to it. I listen to the show as soon as it comes out every week. It is my go-to for when I work out or making long drives. So I'm excited to be back and obviously excited for the racing this weekend and just, you know, coming up into the next few weeks with the Triple Crown and just everything. Well, we appreciate you saying that, and I know you actually mean that. I listened to your pod, too, with uh, uh, Andy, <laughs> Andy White. the G-O, how do you say that, G-O-A-T? Yeah, G-O-A-T, and then we do the GOAT Zoom Room, and we're actually working on another project um, set to drop. Pretty soon, um, me and a few of the other ladies on Horse Racing Twitter, with the help of Andy, Andy's the brains behind it, we're doing another podcast throughout the week called The X Factor, and it's an all-woman podcast. So uh, I get that. It's been really fun, too. X Factor. I, is, that the, is that a little play on the chromosome? Is that what that is? Yes. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. I love it. Uh, well, yeah, we enjoy that, and we do appreciate you listening. And, and, you're, and you're right. Podcasts work real well with working out, long drives. Um, so thanks for listening and uh, coming on the show. And before we get into this card, let, let's catch up with you, Caitlin Free, just a little bit. Um, you're wrapping up your first meet as a simulcast host at Turfway Park. 
And, and now I'm admittedly biased because we are friends, <laughs> but I do think you've done great. I'm not just saying you know that. I think you've done fantastic. And your positive ROI backs backs me up on that. This is a long meet. To have a positive ROI after this long of a meet is is truly impressive. Um, how has it been for you doing that? I know it's your first, really your first time out hosting, right? And you've had to do it by yourself. Um, how's that been? And is there anything in particular you think that, that you've learned about the racing there or, or just the gig itself? It's definitely been a learning experience. And, I mean, I know – I did the stuff, some ad hoc a little bit with Churchill in the fall with Breeders' Cup and the Clark and various weekends there. But, yeah, this has been my first time hosting. I've done the reporting before. And as far as doing it myself, it's it's been a challenge kind of building my own show and doing my own things. But I think it's really taught me a lot. I've really gained a lot of confidence from it. And I've learned a lot from it. But I think kind of what's been the toughest, and, I mean, this is kind of a basic answer, but – the turfway surface is so hard to handicap. Like, so many crazy things happen, and, like, I feel like I know these horses so well, and there'll be, right. there'll just be at least a couple things once a week that I'm like, I would have never had this. I never saw this coming. Because it feels like every day there's a different bias, and then the rain will wash it away. There will be wind. There's just so many things to take into account when you handicap that track. And, I mean, it's so unique right now with all the construction. Horses are never going to see that type of stuff anywhere ever again. They're never going to see that surface anywhere but there. So it's just such a unique thing. And one thing that I've always had to remember is, okay, this is how I'm thinking of things at Churchill when I go back to – or at Turfway. When I go back to Churchill here in a couple of months, I have to forget everything I did at Turfway, but um, track-wise and, like, the horses, because it's going to be completely different. But obviously I have to take that knowledge with me and what I learned onto the experience. And I just cannot think, you know, the staff with – Churchill, CDI, and Turfway, they've been great and so easy to work with, and they've really believed in me, and it kind of felt like until I met all of them, nobody else really did, so I'm just super appreciative of that. Yeah, you, you've done you've done really well, and you're talking, you're being a little bit humble in fairness about, you know, how difficult the track is, because I mentioned a moment ago, we, we've talked about this, there's a positive ROI for a long meet, mm-hmm. and I'm not exactly sure what the number is, but it's actually fairly impressive, and I, and the length of a turfway meet to have that is is remarkable. And if I could mention real quick, it's it's ironic that you're on today because on the Saturday card, uh, you you tabbed a 65 to one horse on top of this meet. I remember distinctly, and there you tabbed a 40 to one on top. They both won. They're both up Saturday as a as a, as a tap dancing lady, right? For yes. uh, Ronald Kalis and uh, one of our favorites, the Golden Eye, who we'll probably discuss a little bit later. Uh, so it wasn't that hard for you, was it? Didn't seem like. Well, to be honest, uh, the insight on GoldenEye came from your guys' podcast as well and talking to Farron and Sarah. So that one definitely was easy to pick up with based off what I knew from you guys and some of the other connections. Tap Dancing Lady, I cannot remember what I saw in her, but I really, really liked her. And there's been a few other ones that I've liked. Beatbox has done me very, very well and a few other horses I can remember. So there's definitely been some key horses there that have really contributed to that. But it's just kind of one thing that I really like is horses coming up from the Gulfstream synthetic. I like horses that have raced previously on the other surface we had at Turfway. They seem to handle this one a little bit better. So if they had good form there, they're probably going to have good form here. And honestly, breeding has kind of played to my strengths. 
Yeah. You know, whether it be a horse by the factor, declaration of war, animal kingdom, even at long odds, you can't really leave those horses out, especially if they've never been on this track. They could somewhat surprise you. So it's just kind of, you know, making your own trends. Yes. And then kind of deciding whether you want to keep them or not, because one day they could be there. And like I said, the next day be totally gone. And one thing that I really had to ignore there. And I hate to say ignore because I handicap these cards a day or, a day or two ahead of time. But if there's a speed bias, like, it's not going to be there the next day. So I'm going to take it with a grain of salt. And I'm going to know that there was a bias. And if there's not, on the next time these horses run, I'm going to, you know, expect something different. Yeah. Yeah, but one of the things I like about Turfway and uh, is and, – and I'm sure you probably – as the meets were on, you've probably seen this – is that the same horses run, right? So you get a really right. good idea of where those horses belong. You don't get a lot of ship-ins. Right, no. so you you got an idea is okay. It's this horse's turn to win this seventy five hundred seventy five dollar maiden claimer this week, right? You you get an idea of that stuff overall, not all the time, right? Right, it's definitely there's at least a couple races on every card where the same horses are in every time, and you're like, okay, well, whose turn is it going to be this week? Yeah. Who had a rough trip last time? You know, that's kind of something you've got to judge. And a lot of times, ninety percent of the time, maybe even ninety five percent of the time, you're going to get it wrong. Yeah. But when you do, when you get it right, it usually pays off. Sure. Um, so you mentioned beatbox a moment ago. Are there, are there any horses, uh, uh, human jockeys, uh, races in particular that stand out over the course of your last four, uh, these last four months? A cheap claiming race, a stakes race, a stakes horse. Anybody, res- anything really resonate with you? I would say the way Kazushi Kimura has came in and rode has been pretty awesome. I've always been a fan of his with him being one of the only jockeys to win both the Canadian and the U.S. Apprentice Award. He's been re- it's been really cool to watch him kind of get his feet wet and see how he takes the service. Gerardo Corrales is always impressive to watch. Um, and really, the Bill Morey barn has been so hot, I've developed a really good relationship with him, too, and been able to, like, kind of ask him about his horses. And really the horses that have really stuck out to me, Beatbox, for one, um, there's a couple claiming horses that I have just, Lashed on to, and they've made me a good amount of money. The Boss Factor, Dual Fuel, and um, Yes Eyes Miller, and a couple other ones that have just really done me well for this meet. And I'm anxious to see kind of where they head. But Marissa's Lady's been another one that's been super exciting to watch. I think she's a grade one winner in the making. And it's just been really exciting to follow her entire career because I was there at Churchill when she was running on the dirt, and now I'm here at Turfway. So I've been there for every start of her career. So she's Probably the one that sticks out to me most this meet, but there's definitely been so many that I've been fans of. What about Cuzzy Wuzzy? <laughs> I love her, too. <laughs> yeah. She's definitely one that – she's quirky, but she – yeah, she's done me good, too. And I think I've had her the last couple of times she's won. I can't believe she won last time. Still not sure she did. We had yeah, that think, conversation, but yeah. If anybody could see opportunity, go back and watch. It was just a fifteen thousand dollars what nine hundred two claiming race, but that was one of the more incredible races you're ever going to see. Uh, if you haven't watched the race, we'll leave it at that and go watch the race with Cousy Wuzzy from a few weeks ago at Turfway Park. Uh, I've been doing this for a long time. I ain't never seen anything like that. Uh, anyway, as most everyone knows, uh, last fall, as you mentioned, you joined the best team in the business for my money, the, the Churchill Downs team of, of Joe Christopher, mm-hmm. Scott Shapiro and company. Uh, I know you've got to be excited about that, right? That's going to occur again this year, thankfully, and perhaps beyond. Um, so with that in mind, I'll proceed to ask you a really dumb rhetorical question. 
Uh, are you getting geeked for the 2022 Kentucky Derby? Knowing you're going to be a big part of it, a uh, big part of how that thing uh, gets brought to the public. Yes, God willing that they will have me be a part of it. And I'm, I'm really hoping so, but I'm excited for the Derby for a lot of reasons. Just the Derby makes me nostalgic and has for a long time now. There's, there's nothing in the world like it. And Churchill is just such a beautiful and magical facility when it comes to a racetrack. It's, just really, you know, I'm sure most of the people listening and obviously all you guys have been there, but it's it's a bucket list type of experience for people, I would say. You should go at least one time in your life. But I just think right now the way the three-year-old crop was, I was not high on them as two-year-olds at all. I was not high on them in January or February, but they're really starting to, you know, I'm starting to warm up to them now because I think – this is such an evenly matched group, and the Japanese are going to be bringing over several horses. There's a possibility to be multiple fillies in the gate. All of these horses are so evenly matched. I think this is probably going to be the best betting derby that we've seen in several decades, maybe. Oh, wow. That's, that's high praise there. <laughs> and, and speaking of Japan, you mentioned Japan, and, and since we have the, the self-proclaimed pedigree nerd, as, as we mentioned <laughs> earlier, uh, Caitlin is a bit of an overseas expert. And I'm not. So with that in mind, we do have the potential to have two Japanese fillies, uh, two Japanese uh, three-year-olds, I should say, coming into the Kentucky Derby. More likely just one. That's Crown Prince and De- Delicata, Delicata. How do we say that? Delicata, know. I believe. Delicata. They're both eligible for the Kentucky Derby as uh, they've done their work overseas. They're both yep. by Yoshida. And Japan is winning races right and left. over. Uh, they are, Japan has been making their presence known uh, across the globe. Uh, is there any chance with either of those, um, if they get in the gate, that Japan could perhaps bag another one with, with any of those? Are they that good or not not quite to that, that caliber? Um, Crown Prince would be one that I would maybe consider underneath, but probably not a win contender. He's so far, you know, defied every expectation. He made his debut on the grass, didn't work out, but he's unbeaten on the dirt. And he beat a really good field in the UAE Derby. So I guess the sky's the limit. I know he is for sure coming because they're not going back to Japan from Dubai. I believe he may already be here in the States going straight over to Churchill Downs. So he's definitely going. Um, he really impressed me in the UAE Derby. And I think he's going to be able to stay the Derby distance. And I think it's only going to be a matter of time before a Japanese horse wins this race. I'm just not crazy about him coming out of the UAE Derby because UAE Derby horses usually never do well. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why that is. And eventually that's a trend that will have to be bucked, but I don't think it'll be this year, but still a really good horse. Nonetheless, maybe one I would think about more like freakness maybe, cause I'm guessing they'll probably run in all three legs. I think it's going to be the Japanese best chance is if they ran in some preps over here first and then sent horses, which I think is definitely coming. And Delicata also unbeaten on the dirt three for three. And she's been really impressive. She would be one I would maybe think more about the Oaks, but she's qualified for the Derby. She is not Triple Crown nominated, which they're going to have to fork out a small fortune if they want to send her over. Um, I believe to nominate this late to the Triple Crown, I want to say it's upwards of at least $200,000. So I don't know if it's kind of worth their time to do that. I'm not really sure what they what she's been beating over there, but she is three for three. And if they want to nominate her and send her over, she's in the gate. Okay, cool. So. Let's, 
So Crown Prince, you like a little bit more of a delicata. Of course, you know, one's a Colt, one's a Philly, but, uh, so Crown Prince is the one you don't think quite good enough to win the Derby, but perhaps maybe an underneath sort. Probably. And, uh, what about, uh, what about my man Kyle? Uh, <laughs> your significant other, is he getting the Derby fever yet? How's he doing? I know, is he, is he really starting to, to grasp hold of this, uh, this uh, run for the roses thing that we all get so excited about? He is, and he's almost an even better better than I am. He's hit several supers lately, and he did had a better Breeders' Cup that day than I did. And I he's remember. Really, he's really lashed onto it and has taken to it, you know, better than I ever expected he would. And he enjoys it so much. And I like that it's something that we can do as a hobby together, but it's, you know, not his career. We have kind of different career paths. But he he absolutely loves it. He's so excited for Keeneland, Derby, all of it, and he, we talk about it a lot, and actually something special that I'm going to do for him um, when we're in Kentucky the next few months <laughs> is um, he just has been infatuated with watching the Triple Crown the last year with me, um, and he's just like, oh my god, I want to see a Triple Crown winner, so I'm going to take him to see American Fair One Justified. Awesome. in the next couple weeks, and then I'm going to take him to Old Friends actually the day after we have the Jeff Ruby stuff this weekend so he can see some of the horses there and he's really excited for that he he actually has never really been around horses very much until he met me and he was always like scared to pet horses and stuff but I, he just like he loves horses now so it's been really fun to watch him kind of develop into it and just really start to love it awesome you know I work about I work like five minutes from old friends you you, you probably don't even know that I uh work in Georgetown at Toyota it's right down the road I didn't know uh, that I drive by old friends every day. Uh, me and my uh, girl I ride with, we're going to stop in there maybe in a week or so. She's never been there. But, yeah, I'm right down the road from that. Uh, another story is uh, before we get to this Turfway card, uh, my pal Chris Karam is a diehard Reds fan, uh, and he would absolutely kill me if I did not get your thoughts on the Reds this season. I have an idea what your thoughts are. I have an idea what his thoughts are. But really quickly, if you can give us a summation of what you think, because CeCe's a big Reds fan as well, too. What are we looking at? It's hard to say. I was originally pissed off. More than. Like, when they traded Suarez and Winker, I sat in my car and cried. And, like, that's – it just broke my heart because I've grown up watching this team. It's something that I've been a part of my whole life. And just like to see the owners not care, it like flat out not care. I knew we were not going to be able to keep Castellanos. I knew that wasn't going to happen. But to see some of the others that I thought we could definitely pay their contract go, I just thought it was a total waste. I don't understand it. But now, you know, they have to give us hope. They've got a couple decent free agents. They've been doing okay in spring training, but I'm still um, very leery to spend any money on them this year. I may watch a little bit at the beginning and kind of see how it goes, but I'm not optimistic, and it's left a really bad taste in my mouth lately because I just don't think Bob Castellini and Crawl A, know what they're doing, B, don't care. And I think right now, you know, is the time they have to go after it. They have a semi-decent team. I know they have money. So they either need to sell the team or they need to do something because Joey Votto has wasted his entire life there and so many others. And I'm wondering, you know, if we're going to see these blockbuster pitchers and all of this stuff rolling out soon. So 
uh, it's kind of a waiting game for me. I'm very disappointed. And I said, you know, I'm not going to mess with it this year. None of it. I'm willing to give it a chance for at least like a week and see what happens. But I'm, I'm not optimistic and quite frankly, really heartbroken. I understand. Uh, my friend Chris wants to meet you. He just wants to talk about Reds baseball with you. Uh, he, <laughs> he, he knows his stuff. And Cece does too. How do, do you agree with uh, Caitlin on that, Cece? You don't want me to go into this. this that's another hour. <laughs> I know. I know. I said keep it quick and, uh, but, uh, I know she's a big Reds fan. I know you are too and stuff, but, and I know the, the prevailing opinion there, but, uh, yeah, we'll move on to something else. But it makes, it keeps everybody from getting heartburn. Do y'all have anything for Caitlin before we get into this card? Nope. Nope. You just want to dive in? <laughs> I'm ready. These guys are ready. Okay. Brandon's having a baby, but Caitlin, you may not have heard the opening, but Brandon, uh, Brandon's uh, expecting. Oh right my now. God. Congratulations. That is so exciting. Tonight? Thank you. That's why I got to make some money on Saturday. Pressure's on, Caitlin. Ugh. All right, CC, let her rip. $1.7 million in stakes purses on Saturday, April 2nd at Turfway Park. And uh, we're going to cover the last six races, if uh, time will allow. We're going to go with race seven first. I don't know if, uh, Caitlin, is this, uh, the, the last six races, is, that's, is this a mandatory payout on the pick six? I would assume it probably is. Um, do they race Sunday? Do they race we Sunday? do not. So this will be a mandatory. Okay. Good luck. If okay. You deserve if you can hit this one. <laughs> uh, you might hit it three out of six on this deal. So. Yeah. Yeah, really. Okay. So, uh, First of all, each one of these stakes races gives me a unique opportunity to make fun of Brandon. <laughs> oh, can't wait. So, Brandon, I'm going to lead off with you uh, two questions right off the bat. Uh, what Philly won the the Latonia stakes last year? This is race seven. It's Latonia. <laughs> um, you Brandon? Do. That is such a good question. And I will tell you, the purse was only $100,000. I was at I was at the Florida Derby when this all occurred. It's on video, but a little horse named Dream a Little Dream of You won splitting the middle, coming up the middle with Florent Theroux, and she was a handful that morning, I was told, and uh, they actually galped her like a mile around the track or another track before she shipped in, and, uh, but she did fantastic that day and, and won us that, that first listed stake race, so... I won't forget it. It was pretty awesome. I've got my trophy here. Uh, thanks to all the partners and Dan Glick. Second question. What is the significance of the name Latonia? Ooh, ooh. That's the original racetrack that was there. Very nice. Two for two. two for Very nice. Come on, Craig. That, that, those are real softballs here, buddy. Yeah, well, we're going to get into it a little bit later. Don't worry. That was before Caitlin was around, right? That was late 80s they changed Late that, 80s, early right? 90s, yeah. 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 Before Jerry Carroll bought the track. Mm-hmm. All right, so race seven is the Latonia Stakes, $200,000, mile on the 16th. And I cannot see any Philly or Mayor outside of Breeze Rider being the favorite here. I, I don't have a morning line. It's Wednesday really? night, so it's too early for the morning line. Breeze Rider is two for two at Turfway, and she's been on quite a tear lately. But uh, I will concede to Kaylin. Kaylin, who you like in the Latonia? Any thoughts on this race? Definitely Breeze Rider is the one to beat for me. I'm, I don't get too excited about speed figures, but I definitely take them into account. And she looks tough. 
Um, she definitely scaled to new heights in the wintergreen last time out. Uh, has to stretch out a little bit more. Probably won't be too much of a thing for her. She's obviously won at the mile in the 16th here. Did it back in December in the My Charmer Stakes. Did so quite easily. She's beat most of this field in here. Ali Diva and Wait for Nairobi don't really scare me anymore. I would say really the biggest wild card in here is going to be Crazy Beautiful. Has never been on the synthetic, but Kenny's had his horses pretty well prepared for the turf. I mean, he's hitting at 25% right now here. And her numbers on the dirt and on the turf are good enough to win this race if she takes to the surface. So it would be those two for me. Yeah. yeah Anybody want to go next? Alan, you, you, you go second. Okay, well, I, I'd probably just jump on what she said. Breeze Rider probably will be slightly favor. I don't, I don't want to be overwhelming favor with it because this is actually a pretty deep seven-horse field, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so Breeze Rider probably be a slight favorite. Crazy Beautiful is going to take going to take some pounding. Uh, Skygaze, I don't think Cassie's had a great meet, but Sky, I do find Skygaze pretty interesting. Uh, Landeros picks him over Ali Diva, and uh, Skygaze is two for two at Turfway and has done a lot of great uh, poly track damage up at Woodbine. Uh, Landeros has not lost on the horse. Uh, I, I might be tempted to give Skygaze a chance to slightly upset those two, but Caitlin's right. Crazy beautiful takes the takes the scent, and and McPeak does well in these days at Turfway. McPeak McPeak does well. Calumet does well. Uh, but I guess if you held a gun to my head, I might I might side with Skygaze in the spot. So I didn't think one, it's those three, huh? She was one that I looked at too, and yeah. I think. Her form on Turfway last time, I think she's definitely in way better form than she was a year ago at Turfway. Right. And I think a mile and a sixteenth, honestly, maybe a bit short for her. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. I think the two you mentioned are definitely the ones to beat. And you know, it wouldn't surprise me if anybody won this race, truthfully. But mm-hmm. I do think the the the, the line share of the wagering goes there. Anybody else? I, I think a wise a wise guy would play play Mary, the Mary Rose. You just never know what's going to hit on this on the surface. Oh, I think I the last race out at Oaklawn was huge, was very impressive, uh, and it wasn't a fast track. It was just good. So a little bit off, and this horse took off, had traffic, even had a steady a little bit and cleared uh, like a monster. So I think this horse being lightly raced, uh, you know, since January, well, yeah, two back-to-back races, you know, one late January and one late February. So i like to see this horse do something uh, for a price. I think he's got a big chance. Uh, <laughs> since that horse went to routing, it's, it's just completely – she's definitely turned around. So, yeah, I, I, I don't see – I think it's a tough race. I think it's a tough seven-horse field. Well, you think that was tough. Let's turn to race eight. It gets even <laughs> tougher. Uh, Brandon, we'll go to you first. This is the mile and 16th rush-away stakes. $200,000 purse. Uh, basically, the uh, the – for the horses that that really aren't good enough to get into the uh, to the big race, the Jeff Ruby Stakes, mile and sixteenth. But Brandon, uh, uh, name one past winner of the Rushaway. <laughs> Brad Cox. Brad Cox. <laughs> probably you're probably right. We'll go to Alan. Alan can answer this one. There's uh, one. Uh, let me rephrase the question: Who's the best winner of the Rushaway Stakes? Uh, All time. Man. God, I know you're leading me somewhere, and I can't think yeah, who it is. It was a past guest, the trainer. Past guest was a trainer. Oh, we've had a lot of trainers on. Uh, was it Wise Dan? Oh, no, you're, you're close. But it was uh, Buff Bradley, maybe? Oh, 
uh, Brass Hat? Did Brass Hat win this? Or no, the Brass Hat, one? yeah. Brass Hat won the race. Remember, okay. I think it was like 30 to 1. He was a maiden. It came out of a maiden 15, right? Yeah, that's right. Something yeah, like you're that. right. Yeah. There's been a lot of good horses win this race, but I'd forgotten about that. We'd have talked about it on the show, too. Okay. Uh, wide open. I, you know, there's a lot of ways to go here. I'm just guessing at favoritism. Maybe the real horse, Gray L. For Godolphin, Brendan Walsh, uh, son of a stern uh, Australian sire. But uh, I'm telling you what, this this bad boy is wide open. Caitlin, your thoughts one. on the rush race? Definitely a wide open race, oversubscribed. Um, I would maybe be tempted to lean to some of the Brad Cox horses. I really like Tommy B in here, I think, getting his first start on the surface. Figures are good. He's run. He's one uh, going a mile and sixteenth on both the dirt and the turf. Don't see why he couldn't run on the synthetic by Medallia Dora out of Grade One winner and Callback. So she could do multiple things on multiple surfaces. So that's going to be the one that I'm going to look to getting to the surface. I think it race ran a sneaky good race in the. Um, John Battaglia just kind of faded a little bit, so I think he could maybe have something left. Golden and I might pop in there underneath for a price. Hit a Don is kind of, I see him too coming up from Florida under Joe Bravo. Joe Bravo's had a fantastic year. And Grail's another good one. Dropping G's has had a fantastic meet here. So, I mean, there's so many ways you could go in this race. But I think Tommy B's going to be my top selection in here. I go ahead, Alan. I guess I'll speak. Uh, Caitlin mentioned Goldeneye, which is, uh, as we mentioned earlier, the 40 to 1 she tabbed earlier to meet. Um, we all have a soft spot for Goldeneye. Well, let's admit it because our friend Farron Peterson has the mount back on the horse. Uh, talked to Farron today. She's very excited. Um, Sarah Hamilton, who is a friend of ours, she, she used to have the horse. Now it's in the barn of Bill Morey. And Bill Morey, anybody that follows Kentucky racing, uh, Turfway racing knows Bill Morey has his horses prime. He's got a couple up later who are prime. So, I'm not going to discount this horse, even come off that last place finish. He's back with Farron. Farron's an excellent front-end rider. Uh, the horse does get off the rail. Uh, the horse, you know, they, they pushed this horse a little bit too much last time. Third lifetime start, got the rail, kind of got trapped down there at that point. At that part, the running was over. So, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say this horse cannot win in this spot, if, if getting off the rail, getting back with Farron, because it is a deep field, but I don't think it's an overly scary field. Uh, for the 200,000, uh, you guys said, I mean, it, we can go a million ways here. I don't really have a selection. Grail interests me a little bit, but even that, that's, that's a horse I'm not really crazy about, honestly. I guess we should mention the fact that the jockey colony here is pretty impressive today, right? you got Joe Bravo. you got Brian Hernandez. you got James Graham. You've got, uh, who am I forgetting, Cece, Adam Ashitza. Uh, they, they they got a lot of, uh, Manny Franco. They've got a lot of the big guys come in. It's hard to imagine that Ken McPeak, is has horses in all these stakes races. He's not going to win at least one of them, so maybe he takes this one. But you know, give me Goldeneye just out of a uh, uh, faith for uh, for Farron and, and uh, the work Sarah did with the horse. Okay, yeah, Brian. I'm, I'm pretty much I'm leaning to the outside. I really think a race is going to make a big a big run if it clears the first turn. Look out! I think this horse is going to carry the speed. This horse is just making a second start and routing. I think it's, uh, I mean, it's raced against his, the bomb, stolen base, and came third. So you got to recognize those names. I think those those horses are a little superior, and I think a race could be there. 
as long as it gets through the turn. So, and I yeah. think I think it's definitely going to be forwardly placed. But it, and if that doesn't happen, I mean, bombs away. This this is a tough like tough race. Yeah, I don't like the rail for Grayell at all. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I'm gonna ask Caitlin about one of these starters. Uh, the I don't have the the post position number. Keto Dan from Mike Maker. That mare looks mm-hmm. awful familiar. Divine Presence. Isn't that relation to uh, Miesk? Uh, that that famous family from the Niarcos. Uh, I believe. Let me look at that right now while you're talking about that. That na- yeah, that name is jumping out at me. Might have been thinking of Divine Proportions, who's similar. Um, with the name, uh, Divine Presence is the daughter of Divine Proportions. This okay. Is, so it's definitely the Flaxman Holdings family. She's the daughter of AP Indy out of Breeders' Cup Mile winner Divine Proportions. Um, no relation to me, but she actually, I lied to you. Divine Proportions, her sire was King Mambo. King Mambo's so, uh, son of me, yeah. Yeah, so definitely that female line, but it's all completely Flaxman Holdings uh breeding and i believe this one was a fourth or fifth generation flaxman holding bread so definitely the same family this one bred by flaxman holdings as well um so yeah that one uh those horses can run on anything it's got fantastic numbers on the dirt fantastic numbers on the turf so that'll be one i definitely want to look at too and mike maker sneaks up on you on these big days yep i think this is Mm -hmm. one bears watching uh maybe at a price definitely Mm -hmm. Race nine is the Animal Kingdom Stakes. Six furlongs, $200,000 purse. Brandon, who was Animal Kingdom? <laughs> uh, a past derby winner. It's actually a, uh, a former TV show on TBS. And a park at Disney what? World. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. You're right. You're right. So We're all right. We're all right. On we're that. all right. I, looks like maybe favoritism shared between higher standard from the Amos Barn and Hoist the Gold from Dallas Stewart Barn. There's also a Nobles on the rail from the Larry Ravelli Barn, uh, a stakes winner at Turfway. Caitlin, uh, your thoughts, uh, maybe who who goes favorite here and, and, and who do you like? I would really love to get a prize on Nobles. <laughs> He's definitely, I think, the horse to beat in this race. Um one here back in January has had a little bit of time off, but he's been working here ever since. Uh, won the Turfway preview, going a little bit farther than this on the wrong lead, and beat half this field in here. So I know he's very, very, very talented. He loves the synthetic. He's almost perfect on the synthetic. The only race he's lost at multiple different tracks is was by a nose at uh, Presque Isle in a stakes race there. Also pretty good on the turf, not as good as the synthetic. But he would be the direction I would lean, especially with the partnership that Kralis and Larry Rebelli have had this meet. And I think this horse is going to be able to stay as he goes longer. He's bred to stay. So I like him. And, you know, I don't discount higher standard and hoist the gold coming in. But I kind of want to lean toward a horse that already has experience and is proven over this track. Yes, these horses can absolutely take to the surface. But both these horses and both these riders have never raced here this season at all. So I'm going to stick with connections that know what they're doing over the surface this meet. Okay, Alan. I'm disappointed y'all called the horse nobles. No, don't go there. Don't <laughs> I mean, go the horse, there. The horse, the gelding, I mean, uh, I, I know what I want to call it. Uh, somewhere along the lines of like a, what a Ken doll would be, right? One L. One L. <laughs> one L, but I mean, I know what they were doing. Anyway, uh, yeah, Nobles is the one to beat. No, 
no whatever's the one to beat. It gets her, uh, Corrales, like Caitlin said, just a no shot four for four, and you, and you know the horse is going to take to the synthetic. Um, so I would use that one. The one I would probably put on, t- you know, I'd probably go two deep because I, I don't want to leave a horse that caliber on the synth off. But the, the one I actually do really am interested in is the one we've mentioned uh, the, thus far. It's Hoist the Gold. I've always thought this horse had talent. It's kind of lost its way a little bit last year as a two-year-old. You remember CC at Churchill just a couple of Cyberknife took – beat Cyberknife. No reason they uh, – no, Cyberknife beat the horse, right? And the Hoist the Gold got put up because Cyberknife whacked him. Cyberknife cheated, yes. Yeah, correct. Cyberknife cheated. <laughs> and then this is, it looked like the horse had such a future, and then the wheels came up. It's like, man, you know this horse has some talent. And I, they took him to the fairgrounds. I don't think the competition was running against – well, the first start wasn't that good. But then when they put the, they put the blinkers on a horse, maybe that talent got unleashed by Dallas Stewart. Uh, and then the subsequent race was against a couple of really good sprinters in Chatelot and, and Town Hall Twist. Uh, the horse looks like it likes it right off the pace. And you get Brian Hernandez here, right? So – uh, you, you got Brian Hernandez has a lot of mounts for McPeak horses. He sees fit to ride here and keeps the mount on the horse. I, I'm going to give Hoist a go to slice, not over uh, no balls. There, I went in and said it. Man. <laughs> I can't help myself. Go ahead, Brandon. I, I mean, I'm a Maker fan. I think Maker on the outside with Manny Franco on Rotney. That's my uh, upset. Yeah, I, I, can see that, I mean, I get it, state-bred competition, but when you're coming, I, I just think Maker knows how to place the horse. You know, <laughs> I, I I can't get over it. I mean, I'm actually singling this horse. I think I it's a lock. A lock. That's where I'm going. If I lose, I'll donate to charity or something. Caitlin, you got to tell me where to donate. But I think <laughs> this horse is going to win this race all the way. So uh, I don't really – I get the inside. But I, I, but at the same time, I don't. I don't see it. And I'm going to stick with just my single here. I'm going to load up on this horse because Maker won me a lot of money at fairgrounds. I know it's not the same race, same horse, not the same surface. But when this horse touches this surface, it's going to be like lightning out of a bottle, and it will be gone. Guaranteed, I will guaranteed. I will say, those fractional times look pretty generic, but look at those Brisnet pace figs. I mean, you've got triple-digit uh, – First and second called pace figs on this horse. So this horse is incredibly fast. And, and it could can't breathe big. in the cold air. You can't yeah. breathe in cold air. Those horses can't breathe. It's over, it, it, man. It's those over. numbers are amazing. Those numbers are amazing. So either he can burn up some other speed or win the race wire to wire. I mean, we'll see what happens. But I don't, I don't, I think it's a solid selection. I mean, well, you like it too, huh, Caitlin? Yeah, nice I really like cut. this horse. I like this horse a lot too. And I, Based on the way the numbers are going to fall in this race, this would probably be the one I would play on top as far as a, you know, going to get a better price on this one. But being by Run Happy, they love this track. They love this track. Mm -hmm. And every race except for, obviously, the debut, which was on a muddy track and going probably far too short, um, this horse has done nothing but improve and has won in hand, in hand, in hand. So... Y'all are talking me into it. Y'all are talking me into it. And plus, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, CC, but Run Happy broke his maiden on this day on this track, right? That's yep. right. That's correct. Yeah. So, so I'm going to give you a lesson in in uh, reading past performances. Uh, Brandon, you see that uh, on the four starts for Rotney, uh, right next to the name of the race, there's an S with a square around it. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah, said, that S stands for sucks. 
<laughs> so this oh, is a, this is a New York bred. This is a New York bred facing Kentucky breds. He don't stand a chance. I'm sorry. Wow, that's a bold call. <laughs> I can't make. I see no. the three races with blinkers, and he's uh never been headed it with blinkers, right? So I'm not going to. I'm not going to go that way. Coming out of freezing cold temperatures where they can barely breathe in the cold. I, it's not a Louisiana bread. It's not Indiana bread. It's not New York is is a lot better. It's, hey, but it's not Kentucky. When he gets down here, it's a heat wave. He's he's going to wash out. <laughs> yeah, right. it's a town mayor. Okay. <laughs> look at that. Look at that work over the tapita. <laughs> the turf one. They had to shut it down. They were like, "Look, we can only have two workers today, and this is the number one at three furlongs." I mean, that's a prime. Just getting prime. Just wait. My champagne's coming after this race. <laughs> three three races ago, race ten is the Twin Spires Kentucky Cup Classic, two hundred fifty thousand dollars, nine furlongs. Brandon, the Kentucky Cup Classic was part of a bigger day back several years ago. It was part of the Kentucky Cup Day of Champions. I've got uh, two trivia questions for you. What month on the calendar was the Kentucky Cup run on, and then two? Name one past winner of the race. Oh, I would say March. And, <clears throat> uh, not March. Uh, I bet the past winner was in this race. That'd be something. I think that's wrong, too. All right, well, Caitlin. Hmm. I'm phoning a friend. <laughs> okay. I know. This is before your time, too, Caitlin. Wait, what was the question again? Ask me again. What, when the Kentucky Cup Classic was part of the Kentucky Cup Day of Champions, what month mm-hmm. on the calendar was the race? What what month on the calendar was the card raced on or held? Oh, wait. It's November. It's I was going to say November was my first guess. No, September. like, I gosh, you all. September. And oh. it was, uh, didn't uh, Silver Charm and Awesome again win this race? I think maybe I'm Silver wrong. Charm did. He was Wild Rush back yeah. in 1998. This was a, a prep for the Breeders' Cup Classic back uh, back in the day. Tabasco Cat won the first one. Thunder Gulch, Atticus, uh, Silver Charm, Wild Rush, Captain Steve, wow. Perfect Drift, Roses in May, Hard Spun, Hard yeah. Spun beat Street Sense, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, Furthest Turfway Land. Turfway had a heyday back then. Turfway had yeah. uh, uh, really ascended. This was no, a big Latonia. deal. Latonia did. No, this was Turfway. Oh, this, this was right Turfway. The, the, the poly track first came out, and Turfway had had a resurgence in the mid mid nineties or two thousands. And yeah. uh, it was it was it, I would at that point I would call it a B plus track, right? Maybe at least a B. And uh, then you know, but uh, they're resurgent once again, I believe. So. Right. So anyway, this is a great race. This I think this is the best race on the card. Yeah, you've got the. The return of Visitant. No, wait a minute. Yeah, Brandon, I, I stand corrected. Visitant won the race last year. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, you did. Yeah, Wikipedia wasn't updated. That's, that's my bad. So I'm the one that looks like an idiot. So you got Visitant, and you've got Beatbox, and you've got King Furious, a great race. Hi, this is uh, very exciting. So, uh, Caitlin, your thoughts on the Kentucky Cup Classic? My first instinct was Visitant, but the more I have looked at it, the more I've poured over it. Yes, he won this race last year, but I think Visitant beat a less good field last year. 
He's never – the only horse that he has lost to since that race has been Maxfield, grade one winner, and those were in races on the dirt that were significantly harder. I just think this horse is better at a mile or under, and I think he's going to get beat by a progressing stable mate in beatbox. Yeah, I've been waiting to see who Caitlin selected here because, again, she sees these races every day. And she's like me. She's seen every race Visitante had, every race Beatbox. And they have both been just stunning. They have both been – they have been just winning these races. They've been destroying these fields, haven't they, Caitlin, both these horses? Yep. And, and Beatbox is – for what someone would consider a lesser track and lesser races, Beatbox has been jaw-dropping in his in – his, uh, his moves on the turn and just win just overpowers him on the turn and just wins in hand. Uh, got the 12 post and it's, uh, there's, I mean, you've got the winner of the Lexington here, King Fury in this race. You've got a really good horse by Wesley Ward who loves this racetrack invader. By all means, those two horses can win. They're classy individuals, but from what I've seen visually from beatbox, I'm going to take beatbox out of the 12 hole. Brandon. I don't think Invader's going to make the distance and coming out of the one the one hole. There's just no I agree way. With that. I like Visitant a ton to repeat. I definitely am always on Maker and Landeros this combo, but I'm going to play a real crazy bet. I mean, you all are going to think I'm crazy. But what in the hell is Cupid's Claws coming back after running a mile and a half on the mud at Oakland? I love this for shipping into this. Kitten's Joy over the Tapita is money. Absolute money. I don't they sprinted this horse, then they go back to a mile and a half. What in the world? I mean, I think you got big class in this horse. I mean, you you it's been trained by Peter Miller, Ruben Navarro. I do not know who Renee Amescus is. I have no idea. I bet never heard of he her. does. I bet I bet well Craig's related to her. Everybody knows that, but I oh, that's gosh. It's a dude, so, I think, isn't it? This is, yeah, Renee and took over some of Peter Miller's horses from California. Oh, well, I mean, I don't understand the distance changes, <laughs> but this horse will light it up. It's, the board is going to be 30 to 1, and that, right. this is going to be my big play. I, I, I don't really like the jockey a ton, but it seems like a fun, a fun great bet. But other than that, I have no idea where this is going to go. I don't know. We didn't even mention cross border. Cross borders in the yeah, race too. Way outside, but I mean, yeah. Uh, I need some help. That's why I'm relying on you all here. But that's I make. I'm playing this horse like there's no tomorrow. Okay. Cupid's claws. Cupid's claws. Good luck. All right. Two races to go. Next is the. Bourbonette Oaks, and this is a points race for the uh, Kentucky Oaks, $250,000 purse, mile on the 16th. And again, wide open, I think maybe you'll see fillies like Sandstone, North County coming up from the fairgrounds. I think these types of uh, fillies will take play, but my goodness, this thing is wide open. I mean, you're going to, you may have spread really wide here. Cast a wide net to catch the winner if you're playing horizontals. Caitlin, uh, uh, before I, uh, I'm going to pose Brandon another trivia question, but, uh, I haven't found the answer quite yet. So Caitlin, you, uh, you give us your analysis of, uh, the Bourbonette Oaks. I think this is the toughest race on the card, if I'm being honest with you. Um, uh, it's, it's really tough. I can definitely see Sandstone, especially with the distance, 
and all of that good stuff. Uh, Katish coming up from Gulfstream makes sense. I think that Mrs. Barbara makes a lot of sense for Mark Cassie, and that might actually be a hunchback for me because it has been two years ago to the day that my grandmother passed away, and her name was Barbara. Mm. Um, so I play a lot of horses with her name in it, so I probably would want to use that one anyway. And she's got really good form at this distance on the synthetic up at Woodbine. It's actually yeah. two for two at the mile and a 16th distance up there. Um, but if I had to use maybe an outside chance, it would maybe be Schlossmitz. I think she's getting better and better with the distance. Um, I love Gerardo Corrales on her. Mike Maker is really good on these days. So I think I want to use her too, but this would be a race that you would really have to spread in and maybe narrow it down other places. Um, this one's definitely a puzzle. You know, you, you can tell Caitlin I've watched a lot of turf play because the horse I was going to bring up, uh, you like those horses in good form, right, who are doing well with the racetrack, and the horse I was going to bring up is Schlafmitz. Moving them way up in class, if you've seen Schlafmitz last two races, uh, yeah, maiden 30, starter 30, but uh, just blew them away down the lane. Uh, I don't think I don't think the speed figure really is representative of what Schlafmitz did last time. It was never in doubt. A horse really finishes him off late. It's a stretch to think he can win. I'm not going to say that he can't, but uh, the horse probably going to be a price. I would keep an eye on Schlafmitz. I think I'm going to lean to let's be clear, though, uh, the Brad Cox horse, Manny Franklin, the two-hole. Uh, I really like that last race. It's a, it was just a sprint. He beat a stable mate named Ruta Bach, who I don't think is that good. But I just like the way he did it. And, again, I don't think this field is overly tough top to bottom. Uh, I, I'm with you guys. I think it's wide open. But I think I'm going to maybe settle on, let's be clear, with a little touch of Schlafman to the price. But, I mean, again, as we've said, a lot of ways to go here. All right, Brandon. Guys, you know, this is a real tough, real tough race. I have to give kudos to a syndicate I should have joined, but I didn't. The ownership group of Heavenly Helos, Ray Hernandez. Ray at Ray at Turfway, Caitlin knows this. I've got a secret crush. This is like the, the second coming of Brad Cox. Ray's been doing a great job at Turfway. Uh I like the horse. This is a tough match for this horse. However, my friend, and I should have been in, let me tell you that again. I should have been in and bought this horse for nine thousand bucks, but I didn't. I wish my, my friend Billy Cooper all the best. This is a tough challenge. If this horse wins, it's going to the Oaks. That's where they want to go. So, oh, wow. But, but I'm not, I, I, it's a too tough of a race for me. I, I, I'm, I'm looking a little bit on the inside, inside here. I like, I like, let's be clear. I really do. I like Cox here a ton, uh, as well as tap dancing lady. But other than that, I mean, the outside, there's a champagne poetry. I think Chad Summer's horse got a really big shot. I like to see this horse get back to the synthetic. It was on turf uh, once only before, but I think Champion Poetry has got a big, big chance. But those are my only two, and uh, I, if I could go all, I would go all. All right, enough analysis. I, I don't care what you think. We want, to get, we want trivia. So I believe this to be true. Alan may back me up on this. The Bourbonette Oaks – has produced, Brandon, at least one Kentucky Oaks winner. Oh. Now, my memory has faded a little bit. I thought this filly had won the Bourbon and Oaks, but she is not. She did not finish third in 2006. She went oh. on to win. 
She went on to win the Kentucky Oaks at fifty to one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brandon, can you name the filly that won the two thousand six Kentucky Oaks, who raced in this Burbank Oaks prior in her prior starts? Run happy? I don't know. Run happy? A trick? I don't. You said run happy? I'm kidding. I mean, we haven't progressed that far in society where the you know the male horse okay. is going against the female horse. Uh, yet, was but, Pat, was okay. Pat Day the jockey? I don't remember, to be honest. Uh, it was Lemons Forever, right? That is correct. And I'm trying to think who rode Lemons Forever. Now, how did you automatically know these? Uh, well, you know, I, I do fall a little bit of Turfway, and it's 50 to 1. And uh, I was at Churchill that day, Brock State. I cannot remember who rode Lemons Forever. Mark Gidry. It was Mark Gidry, wasn't it? I'm, I'm, I'm looking right now. Well, I'll let you know here in about 30 seconds. Okay. That so day we riding around that time. I'm pretty sure. It was Mark Gidry. I did not know that either. Honestly, oh, I, I, I did not yeah. know Gidry won the Oaks. So. I'm old. I, I, y'all, I'm old. I'm the oldest one on this podcast. But my uh, memory is failing me because I thought Lemons Forever won the Bourbonette, but she finished third behind a uh, Mark Cassie train. So you go off 50 to 1. All right, on to the big one. All right, the big one is race 12, nine furlongs, the Jeff Ruby Stakes, grade three, $600,000. <laughs> Back, back like the old days. Uh, big field here. I think favoritism may land on Tiz the Bomb, the winner of the John Battaglia. And we got a rider change going from Alex Ashar to Brian Hernandez Jr. But before we get to our selections, Brandon, can you name <laughs> all of the previous sponsors of this race? Wow. Up until present. Yeah. Uh, let me think. Uh, Jeff Ruby. I was at Jeff Ruby's on Monday night. That's easy. That, that doesn't count. You don't get okay. credit for that one. Well, uh, I was there Monday night, so I just want to let him know, because I think he's going to probably sponsor us in the yeah. future the next year that this race runs, because 600000 it's going to be a million next year. Okay. Got the other ones? No, I don't, but I'm looking them up. I know them. I, I, probably, I do, too. I, 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 can, ahead, I can get most of them. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Jim Beam. All right. I know that's and one. That was the first one, right? Well, yeah, yeah it, that was the first sponsor. It used to be, originally it was the Spiral Stakes, mm-hmm. and then, then Jim Beam. Okay, then, now yep. go ahead. And the Horseshoe Casino. Oh, there's, you're forgetting one. Yeah, Got I it. don't know what one I'm forgetting. It rhymes with Smallery Purniture. <laughs> oh, Valerie Furniture? Yeah, I think that was Oh, I don't remember two. that one. It was well, it was the Actually, it was the Gallery yeah. Furniture and then it was the galleryfurniture.com. Okay. Thanks. At one point because I got a free sweatshirt out of it. <laughs> Is that all of them? It seems like there's more than that. I think yeah, there's the Lanes Inn. The Lanes Inn. Lanes I, Inn I forgot yeah. the Lanes Inn. Yeah, and then the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. Thanks. <laughs> that was two Not years. for 600,000. That was during the COVID year. Bucks. <laughs> the no, Auxiliary okay. Gate podcast present the Jim Beam Stakes presented by the Auxiliary Gate podcast. That that that, that rolls off the tongue. Mm-hmm. Caitlin, uh, would you agree with the, my assessment that Tiz the Bomb is probably maybe the horse to beat narrowly? Um, I think he's one hundred percent beatable in this race. Hmm. Okay. Who who uh, who beats him? Who who's your who's your top contenders? Um, I'm leading toward going with Stolen Base. 
Uh, he looks to be the one I think the horse to beat in here because he wants to go farther than a mile and a 16th, and he's done nothing but progress as he goes up and trips. So I think he's the horse to beat in this race, especially adding the blinkers. And with Mike Maker and Gerardo Prowlis. And another horse that I'm really keen on in this race um, is a horse named Tawny Port. Broke his maiden here and won an allowance race here. And then went and stretched out in the Risen Star and ran a pretty good speed figure for getting fifth. Had an awful trip and finished just about seven lengths behind Epicenter and Smile Happy in that race. I think he's your winner in here. Oh, uh, that maiden that maiden with my tawny port was pretty eye dropping or jaw dropping, yeah. wasn't? It? Yeah, that was a, that was an impressive win as you've seen at Turfway this meet by Tawny Port and his, in his debut. I, I'm with her. Those are the two I like. I I, I hate picking against Tizabom because Tizabom has done me extremely well. Uh, I, I do think Stolen Base and Tawny Porter too. The one that really interests me though is a horse that may get, you might get a little bit of price on. It's a horse I liked last year. It's Great Escape. Uh, again, going to the synthetic, so we don't know what's going to happen. But Great Escape ran a, a monster race at Ellison debate, debut, and 102, 103 late pace figure in that race won six furlongs, which is the next race. It was night racing at Churchill, and the horse got bet down off that race and won going away against a really good field. John Game was in that race as well as a few others. Uh, Wheels kind of went off going two turns the next t- time out. But when he came back this year, he came back in season debut. They put Lasix on the horse, ran a pretty good second, which is obviously a prep for this spot to me. And uh, I just think there's, I just think this horse showed me a lot last year, and I think he might be rounding back into that form for Windstar. I like Great Escape at a price, but the two Caitlin mentioned, I would have to have as well. Uh, stolen Base and Tawny Port. Nobody's talked about the elephant in the room in this race yet. And let me see. Hang on, got it. The yeah, elephant in the room. Hold on. I got scroll. I'm the big elephant in the room. Okay. It's going to be Tom Amos. I think Tom Amos is going to win this. Jeffrey Ruby Stakes, Dowajik Chief. I think Cairo Prince, once again, on the synthetic, on the tapita, this horse has got a big shot. Now, you don't, I don't like some of the speed figs in some of this race, especially the last time out. But if you go back to Houston and some of the fairgrounds races, I think this horse has got a real good shot, and I'd like to see him on this surface. I think it's going to be dried out. I think it's going to be very fast. Uh, whether or not this horse goes to the lead, I, it could. Um, it's going to be one of the top contenders. I don't like the ninth hole, but I love the progeny, and I think another big possibility, Joe Talamo loves to be on the lead. And this is Red Run. I think that that horse has got a really big shot. Gun runner for C. Asmussen. But I'm with Caitlin. I think Tawny Port is the one to beat. I love Pioneer of the Nile. I absolutely love that sign. But those are my top three. And it's going to be a heck of a race. Stolen base. I don't know where this horse is going to fall. But this horse has got, obviously, experience on the track. So you'll see what happens. But Tis the Bomb beat him. Tis the Bomb, I think, is just. I think it was a great two-year-old. I don't think it's going to keep going. So I, it, I, I think it, that horse has peaked. It's hard to get it back on. Uh, but but this is this is a great race. So, but my top choice is or the two outside Red Run, Delwick Chief. We it's still haven't com- gotten to the elephant yet. Cabo yeah, Spears. Nobody's mentioned it yet. Yeah, the <laughs> elephant. You got to turn it. Go. The, don't do like I do and play your pick four wager and then realize there's another page to your past performances. Oh yeah, swing shift. No. Right? Oh, so we're talking Black Adder. 
Yeah, oh, bless you. There's your elephant. Oh, okay. I see it now. I'm uh, sorry. Uh, Caitlin, explain why this is the elephant. Well, he's won going this distance over the synthetic. Uh, he won the Camino Royale Derby up at Golden Gate. He is also coming out of the Bob Baffert barn for Rodolphe Brisset, and we know how all of that goes. So, <laughs> What do we think about the horse's chances with Edwin Maldonado coming in to ride? What do we think? Uh, he knows the horse. The horse has gotten better as the distance has gotten longer. Uh, finished. Not super close, but came out of the Messier uh, main special weight back in October. I think the horse has a chance. Um, I think he's going to have to step up to beat this group, if I'm being honest with you, because other than McKinnon, and McKinnon almost got him in the El Camino Royale, I think these horses in here are going to be tough. Tough. Um, I trust Brisse, and I hate that he has been drugged into this mess. Yeah. But... I don't know what to do with this horse, if I'm being honest with you, because I think he has a chance. I think he could win this race. I think he's going to get a lot of play. But um, I hate to say it, but I can't in good conscience use this horse. Yeah, I understand. And a second-place finish would probably get him in the derby, wouldn't it? Am I right about that? 50 points? I think it would because he's already points. got 10 points. Yeah. So uh, he would have 50, so he would be in there. Huh. Well, let's talk about this. Uh, all right, Alan, you remember the the Philly last year? We were at we were at the track. It was the week after Derby. It was the Bob Baffert Philly that that re rallied. Yeah, versus Heiko, uh, Heiko, something like that, right? No, nah, it was it was it was a race before that. Yeah. Uh, yes. Was it that, Who? Chemico. Chemico was it Chemico? Yeah, Crystal Chemico. Ball. It was Crystal Ball. Crystal Ball. Crystal Ball. Chemical did the same thing. Crystal Ball, yeah, we were really uh, – we kind of rolled our eyes at Crystal Ball. But they turned that filly over to Brisset, and she became a stakes winner mm-hmm. under under the eye of Brisset. So, you know, I wouldn't necessarily toss out Blackadder uh, just because you're switching barns. But, uh, you know, that's a tall order coming from the 12-hole. And coming from – California and just having been through all this Yahoo stuff that we know that's been going on, going to be a tall order. I wouldn't toss the horse, but I also don't want him to win. Yeah, <laughs> um, agreed. I hate, <laughs> I hate to be like that because it's not the horse's fault. The horse is very talented. As I said, Brisset is a fantastic horseman. Edwin's a fantastic rider. I think he's a very underrated rider. So it would definitely be deserving, but at the same time, I don't want to punish the horses for what has happened. I don't think we should punish the horses. I think they're good enough to get in these races. But like I said, I hate seeing Rudy being drug into this mess because yeah. he he deserves to have his own horses of his own caliber. I just uh, – it's, it, it's such a tough thing. It's so tough. All right, before we go on to the, to the other two uh, major stakes races, I will say I, I think we may see a different uh, type of ride on Tiz the Bomb from Hernandez. Maybe something going back to that effort in the Breeders' Cup. Yeah. Where he, he, I think Alex moved too early. He was he a little wide, won. too. He's he was wide. He was wide. Early. I think we'll see Brian Hernandez just be more patient and then maybe launch a stretch rally. And I think that will give Tiz the Bomb his best shot. I think he's, the, to me, he's the best horse in the race, but uh, you're not going to get very much of a price. But, uh, yeah, I certainly uh, concur with everybody else's thoughts except Brandon. But... Uh, <laughs> We'll move on. Uh, the, 
the Arkansas Derby is on Saturday and the Florida Derby as well. Uh, Caitlin, have you had a chance to look at any of those, either of those two races? I have had a chance to look at them a little bit, yes. Uh, tell us, let's start with Arkansas Derby. Uh, okay. any, any thoughts on the, on the three-year-old pitcher there in, in the race itself? I think this is probably going to be the best three-year-old prep we're going to see this weekend. I would... I think two of some two of my horses that I really like on the Kentucky Derby Trail right now are in that race. So I'm really looking forward to that race. And I think it's, you know, I, I think it's a good race on paper and I think it's gonna be really tough. And a lot of people, you know, are like, Well, I don't know what that Philly's doing in there. She's already in the the starting gate for the Oaks. Like, why are we taking on the boys? If I was to have a Philly take on the boys on the Kentucky Derby Trail, who better do it than Dwayne Lucas? Dwayne Lucas is in the twilight of his career. I love this. I love it. And I think it's something that's written in the stars. I think her numbers, you know, whether it be any type of speed figure or even if you look her up on third graphs, she's way faster than these horses. And she is way faster than what Mal thought was at this time this year. I thought Echo Zulu was a horse that we should be paying attention to, was a super filly leaning into the Kentucky Oaks. And I think she still has a relatively big chance, but she better hope Secret Oak goes to the Derby. And I think she's the one to be absolutely without question in this race. Um, I like We the People, too. She's my top horse on the Derby trail right now. We the People is second or third behind Epicenter. Wow. So they're both in this race. And I think Cy- Cyberknife's coming in with a shot as well. Didn't like what Doppelganger's been doing lately, so I don't really want to use him. Barbara Rhodes, kind of the dark horse in here, too. I think this is a spectacular field. Anybody else? Uh, Alan, How about you, friend, CC? You're the you're the Oakland expert. I'll defer. I'll defer. Hey, could Kavad win this thing? Kavad, Kavad. Chris Chris Hartman's been on fire yep. at Oakland and Fairgrounds. He's been winning a lot of races. He's about twenty five percent, as I recall, at Oakland. Maybe maybe the same at at uh, at Fairgrounds. This horse has he is the primary speed in the race. I think the only horse that really wants to go with him maybe is Chasing Time. If they if they elect to to take Chasing Time back, Kavad maybe two length lead down the backstretch, he could lull him to sleep. I, you know that horse hung tough in the Rebel Stakes. You know he was he was despised on the window at the tote board, but he he uh, he hung tough. He finished fourth, maybe beating a length, length and a quarter in that spot. I, I you know I, I'm not I'm going to use him. I don't. He's not a Derby, Kentucky Derby type of horse for me, but we've seen some upsets at uh, at Oakland in the past. So, but uh, let's talk real quick about the Florida Derby, which is uh, uh, Caitlin. We'll let you assess the field. Uh, it's not the most exciting Florida Derby that yeah. we've ever seen, but uh, yeah, your thoughts real quick on the uh, Florida Derby. I'm just not big on simplifi- simplification and wide a barrio based on what they've done. Um, my experience in playing the Kentucky Derby, aside from one anomaly, which was Orb, is to always toss the Holy Bowl winner. So mm. I'm just not crazy about him. I think simplification got away with a steal in uh, the Fountain of Youth because that whole race was flipped on its head when two horses that had a shot fell. So I would take that race with a grain of salt. The horses I'm really looking at, at here are Classic Causeway and Charge It. I think Classic Causeway is a true, true horse. And I was really worried about him maybe not getting another start after the Tampa Bay Derby because I think he's a Derby contender. I'm so happy to see him show up in this race. 
Um, I think Charge It is getting better and better. So those are going to be the two I really like in this race. Um, going to play them against the two favorites in here. I will say about White Abario, what impressed me, this is, like again, this is not the typical horse I would want to play in this spot, but White Abario allegedly missed a work prior mm-hmm. to winning the Holy Bull. That If that is the case, that really impresses me. And I think it was a uh, maybe a stroke of genius that they skipped the Fountain of Youth with yeah. uh with him and i think maybe he's coming up to his best race if that is the case but like you know I, like i said I, I don't know for sure but uh uh another note uh the horse you mentioned charge it from the pletcher barn this is uh this horse goes for mandy pope who finally gets a good horse as <laughs> she spent millions and millions of dollars on brood mares. i know she bought uh uh buff bradley's uh big mare that a uh, groupie doll uh yeah. among among several of the others and and finally Finally, this is uh, maybe maybe the one that gets her to the Derby. Uh, this is the prototypical type of horse that uh, Todd Fletcher wins a Florida Derby with. I think he did this maybe with materiality and constitution back in the day. Yep. And uh, this is a horse he's just he's only got two starts, lightly raced, but this is the type of horse Fletcher Fletcher wins these type of races with. And uh, you know, uh, but uh, not overly excited about any of these horses in in terms of Kentucky Derby, but. Uh, uh, still, I'll, I'll be watching nonetheless. But uh, uh, I think uh, we've we've yapped long enough about the, about horse racing for the evening. Uh, anybody want any, anybody got anything they want to add before we sign off? Can I give you one horse early in the Turfway card? Let me give you one horse early in the the non stakes races, real quick. Absolutely, you know absolutely. I don't know how Caitlin feels about this one, but it's in race. I want to say race to a horse I, I liked last time. I, I liked little. I like the way the horse ran, ran sneaky good. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Let me scroll back. You know, these, a, lot of, a lot of races I scrolled through. Stand by you, the rail horse. Stand by you in race three for Todd okay. Beatty. You, you remember Stand by you last year at Keeneland's? Anybody remember that horse? Oh, that I do. Down, that yeah. down heavily and broke terribly for Todd Beatty. Had Joel, Joel Rosario on it. And was absolutely flying. And then came back. They brought the horse back in, in a run back at Keeneland, got bet down, and looked like the horse was just uh, spinning his wheels, right? And finally got going and won the race going away. Thought this horse had a future. And as it turns out, never really did anything after that. Uh, took him to parks, took him to Saratoga, you know, ran a couple okay races. They brought this horse back to Turfway last, last time. And I liked him a little bit that day at a price. It was a wide open field. A Brendan Walsh horse who ran a, uh, was a really promising two year old last time, last year. Majestic Dior won the race very easily in, in a bit of a loaded field. This horse ran sneaky good. Uh, got away last, which was not that big a deal to me, but I, I thought the horse made up a lot more ground than it appears on paper, was running really well. I thought they might be using it as a prep for Keeneland in a seven furlong race, but they, they're bringing him back in this spot going two turns, which I, I'm not really crazy about the two turns. But I just thought the horse ran better than it looked on paper. And I'm going to maybe uh, – there's a couple in there I think could definitely beat the horse. But you might get a price in this horse because a lot of people don't know who Todd Beatty is. And Joe Rockle uh, comes back, gets the mount. Give me a stand by you to price. Plus, it's a good song by the Pretenders. So that's one I'm keeping an eye on early in the card. Anybody else get anything early? I forgot to ask. Yeah, Caitlin, you anything else uh, on the card that strikes your fancy? <laughs> Not as of yet. I will definitely have to keep looking, kind of get a feel for it. I handicapped already uh, 
tomorrow and Friday. So I have a few days to focus on this one. Gonna definitely try to get some trainer and jockey information that I can dig out of them if they will let me have it. So I'll definitely share that information that you guys will be privy to as well. But uh, honestly, no, I'll have to take a look at these main special weights. Oh, there is one horse that I'm interested on Friday. Dual Fuel is coming back after a while. Going to be stepping up a little bit in class. Going to step up to the $30,000 level. He is with, he's out of the Jose D'Angelo barn because I asked Jose about him the other day and he's like, I don't have him anymore. And I was like, man, I can't remember (laughs) who, I think he's with Forrester now. Grant Forrester? Yes, I think. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, that horse really got good at the bottom level. That, that's yeah, a really so. good example of a horse that got to Turfway and just loved the surface and was just every fired every time. So I'm yeah, with you, you there. Yeah, you might get him at maybe four or five to one on Friday, stepping up to the $30,000 level, which is the highest he's been. But, I mean, he loves that track, and he's getting his preferred distance. So I've got my eyes on him on Friday, but I'll have to look through the Saturday card at some of these main special weights more. I mean – there's not a single claiming race on the card. Yeah. On good, Saturday is a fantastic card for sure. It, it really is. All right, before I'll, we go, I've got one more. I've got a I've got a race at Oakland. I've got to give this one out just for pride purposes only. <laughs> race race 10, it's the Fantasy Stakes. Grade 3, this is a Kentucky Oaks prep. Mm-hmm. The Rail Philly Dream Lift. I'm going to I'm going to single everything to her. Because this filly, she won the goldenrod last fall. And that thoroughgraph figure, if if she runs back to that, she is a prime Kentucky Oaks contender, I think, with any improvement at all. Back okay. when she ran in the Rachel Alexandra at Fairgrounds, she finished six, beating eight links in a race that really completely fell apart. This was a period of time when Deodoro was ice cold. Deodoro's the trainer. He was ice cold. He wasn't when he lost maybe 20, 30 races in a row at Oakland. Uh, shipped this filly to, to the fairgrounds. She ran off the board. She comes back, second start off a layoff, been working bullets in the morning. It's a very nice pedigree. Medallia Doro out of a street cry mare. I think Dream Lith, eight to one. She's probably not going to be eight to one. The morning line guy down there is terrible. She'll probably be close four to one, seven to two, something like that. Uh, I love Dream Lith and I think she's got a, a shot at winning the Kentucky Oaks with any improvement at all. Bold statement. Bold, I was considering Secret Oath. Secret Oath has something to say about that. And Echo Zulu, that's bold well, statement. I'm, I'm counting on her going to the, the to the big race. Okay. So we'll see. But uh, right. anyway, uh, so this is uh, it's been fun. I love these types where we just go race to race. I, I absolutely love that uh, Caitlin Free has joined us, mm-hmm. and we wish her much luck on Saturday. And, and of course. Uh, uh, upcoming at uh, Churchill this spring and summer. Uh, and, of course, this is a podcast that saw me completely humiliate Brandon Jaggers again. <laughs> close, close, but no cigar. <laughs> and, of course, Alan Schneider giving out winners left and huh. right. Yeah, uh, I think Caitlin, uh, Caitlin gave out more than I did. I, I'm not exactly cra- crazy about some of the selections, but, you know, if you get one or two, just I'll be happy with that. That's all you need. That's all you yeah. need. So. On behalf of those uh, three excellent people, I'm CC Broadus reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home.